Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 378 on Tuesday, the 19th of January, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be talking about how the chips are down for some manufacturers. We'll ask, is it ever acceptable to use a new portmanteau in press conference? And we'll see how rally teams will be racing the sunset home this week. But first, we have a teensy-beensy bit of follow-up. And it's to do with... We've got three choices normally, but Volkswagen this time and Dieselgate. <laughs> it's the first It's the first Dieselgate of the year, isn't it? Yeah, and the first court, I think. Yeah, ooh. Oh, wow. We've made it to, like, the third week. <laughs> third, third week in January. That's not so bad. Yeah, but this is that Martin Winterkorn has had the market manipulation charges dropped against him by the German court in Braunschweig, I think it is. Yeah, in Lower Saxony. This doesn't mean, though, that he has had all the charges dropped against him because they are still going to be pursuing the you sold cars that had a defeat device in them, which was naughty charge. However, that's wrapped up in legalese yes that was that was very legal sounding and why they've dropped this one is they said that it's actually not going to make much difference to the overall sentence that they want him to get it's basically it's it's going to be a distraction let's focus on this other bigger deal there are bigger fish out there to catch yes yes his legal team by the way say he is innocent yes which is always a good start you you'd hope yeah Anyway, some new news. Mm-hmm. Stellantis is now a thing. That's right. Everybody's favorite thrush remedy is now actually there and exists. PSA and FCA have actually merged, really. It's all been approved. It's all happened. And they're floated on the stock exchange. They're on the stock exchanges in Milan and Paris and New York, I believe. Yeah. By the way, they, they went shooting up and are trading really quite quite strongly far above where they where it was when they launched so they were at i checked earlier on i think they're about 13 pounds or something okay that's good it's decent actually but it was well above where they started yeah. uh, which is quite good and that's towards the end of the week so it should hopefully show that it wasn't just a little blip when it comes to listing on stock exchanges by the way they did rather a clever thing i think so FCA symbol was replaced by Stellantis, which has the sort of four-letter acronym of STLA. And why that's clever is because that's one tiny typo away from a certain other American brand. <laughs> so you never know. Yeah, for which you could buy many Stellantis shares for the cost of one Tesla one. So yes, it's one typo away from Tesla when people are ty- typing in what they want to trade. I don't know if it's accidental. I think there's possibly a little bit of both going on in there. You say, ooh, well, isn't this isn't this nice now we know? <laughs> isn't this nice and convenient? The merger, uh, according to Carlos Tavares, the Stellantis chief executive, the merger will add about 25 billion euros or 22.3 billion pounds in value to the shareholders thanks to projected cost cuts. The organization now has 400,000 employees, roughly 14 brands, uh, and they're saying that they should be able to save more than 5 billion euros a year without the need for plant closures. Yeah, I'm curious on that last bit, though, because they just don't need that many. 
Yeah, there's an awful lot of there's an awful lot of over capacity. And that's where he keeps the economies of scale really cleverly down. Mm. Yeah. I, I noticed that Ellesmere Port, of course, which we've been covering the trials and tribulations of Ellesmere Port since we started the Motoring Podcast and you know, there were trials and tribulations before then. But I noticed it's saying that it will not be used for any pure internal combustion engine vehicles from now on. There was some muttering. I just saw it just after I'd had my dinner tonight, so it's not actually been included in tonight's listing. So we'll, we'll possibly come back to that next week and the details of that. I didn't really have time to read the whole article. But yeah. It was interesting that it, that it got mentioned. But that was a mostly positive story about Stellantis, apart from the medication joke at the start. Yes. Just a quick note, uh, in the show notes will be also a link to a motoring research article that has all the brands that are included under the new Stellantis badge, which is basically everything from FCA and PSA, apart from Ferrari, (laughs) pretty much, which is to be expected because Ferrari went its own way anyway, didn't it? Well, that was it. It was spun off initially well ahead of this, and it was all done by um, uh, Sergio Marchioni. Yeah, even though they are very closely tied. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are actually a separate listed company. They're not part of Stellantis. Right, uh, some more news that came out this week, and that is that the former Mercedes-Benz boss, Jürgen Hubbert, has died at the age of 81. He was the chairman of Mercedes-Benz from 1989 for 15 years, which is quite remarkable, really, considering Mm -hmm. how much Mercedes changed over that time. Uh, One of the cars that people talk about a lot that he brought through to market was the A-Class Mark I, with Mm -hmm. the very clever engineering, the sandwich floor, and how they packaged everything up and all the rest of it. As someone who's owned one, it's a dreadful vehicle, but... It's a very clever vehicle, though. It's, it's so clever, so clever. The the, the packaging, the, the engineering that went into it and all the rest of it, I don't think we'll see the likes of that for some time because I don't think people can afford to do that or will yeah. or have the desire to be that clever. Yes, exactly. So he's, he's actually... Uh, he, he, he also did things like create the M-Class uh, and then created Smart... And there was also the CLK and things like that. Yeah. The other thing about the M-Class, of course, was it, it established the factory in the US as well. Yeah. South Carolina, isn't it? I yeah. think. Which has been quite key mm. in the last four years to having plants open in America to sell cars in America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So lots of stuff that he did has, has formed the foundation for the uh, the current, current Mercedes, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Next up... It's uh, Luca De Meo's House of Puns. The Renault have announced after the uh, refactory the other week, then the Renault group has, an, and this is the entire group that comes under Renault, has unveiled a major new strategic plan, which is called, as the uh, Beatles didn't quite sing, uh, the Renolution. Yes. Mm. Did you Did you see the mockery that was online? There was, no, there was a lot it. of mockery. Some of it was directed at people in Renault UK who, who made the mistake of replying. Oh, no. It works better in French, by the way, when it's Renault Lucien. Yeah, I bet, I bet uh, it does. But most things sound better most, in French. Yeah, well, this is very, very true. Uh, so, so Renault and it, indeed its group 
announced that it was going to introduce 24 new vehicles by 2025 uh, across not just Renault, but also Dacia, Alpine, Lada, and a new mobility brand called Mobilize. It will be focused on profitable B and C segments. Hooray. Well, as, as opposed to the luxury segment that they're renowned for. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I noticed that there were no A segment, which means no Twingo. Boo. I didn't know if that was the and complete end hiss. of their presentation. That well, is the case. Well, quite, yes. So, yes, it's it's pretty serious. The other thing that they mentioned there, which did hit all the socials, they did mention, they didn't just mention it, they announced it, was uh, plans for three fully electric Alpine, uh, one being a hot hatch, uh, which will obviously have to be at least hybrid, given the discussions about Renault taxation the other week. Uh, yep. A crossover. So everyone went, yay, a crossover. <laughs> and also uh, a successor to the A110, which will be developed in conjunction with Lotus, which is cool. Yep. All of those three are going to be fully electric. They also showed the 5 EV hatch, which I would have thought would have been in the A segment. Maybe that is what fills that A segment gap. No, I think it's bigger than that. The Dacia Bigster. Yes. Just, just, yeah, that one might have to change. A C segment <laughs> SUV. Well, so whilst this is a purely Renault uh, announcement, it doesn't mean that Renault is out of the alliance, of course. Lots of these and that great big B and C segment push is all going to come via shared platforms. They're saying that something like 80% of volume in this plan will come from platforms shared across the alliance. Yes. I've lost the bit that said that. I'm sure it was 80%. My apologies if it isn't, but it's a very large percentage. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk when Renault have been asked. They've been saying, oh, no, we're going to work even closer together. No, we're the best of friends. Us and Nissan, oh, we love each other dearly. And Nissan have come back and gone, yes, we love Renault very muchly. And he used to go, yeah. They tried like a it. little hard. <laughs> Trying a bit hard on that one, I folks. don't believe you. <laughs> Especially whenever they're going to... to well, I suppose Nissan don't have any heritage of mid-engine engine cars i can't think of a mid-engine nissan somebody's going to come back with something like a cab star as the only flipping one you can think of <laughs> there will be something weird japanese and kai i'm sure which is a nissan which is mid-engine but i can't think of one right now it would make sense if they were tightly integrated nissan and renault for renault and the renault group to worry about europe and nissan to not worry about europe it would that would probably not be great for Sunderland, mind you, or well, I was going to say, or any of the other Nissan plants in Europe, but given they're already planning to but show... But if they're making the platforms, is the, trying to think about it, I mean, there's lots of other reasons why, for Sunderland to have issues, which yeah, well, we may talk about later on in the show. Oh, yes, we might. Are you going to tell us about fishing for chips? I'm so... I, it's been a long day, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, uh, there is a shortage of semiconductor computer chips, which has caused a teensy-weensy bit of an issue for several manufacturers, including Audi, Honda, Toyota, and Volkswagen, to name but a few, because there is a combination of factors. Obviously, COVID, the pandemic, has caused a reduction in production across the globe anyway. There was, in the last three months of 2020, a huge uptick in demand, which manufacturers weren't expecting. 
to be that large. So they suddenly went, uh, please, we need these now. And these are not items that can turn around very quickly because of the manufacturing process. So there is a a delay on that. But also combined with that, obviously, computers, gaming consoles and stuff like that, because people have been locked in their houses for much of last year, there has been a huge demand of those. And they seem to have beaten car manufacturers to a lot of the chips, particularly when two big consoles were launched coming up to Christmas, and there's been mm-hmm. su- uh, supply issues for them as well. So it's just all these things combined together has meant that companies like Audi have had to uh, furlough more than 10,000 staff, as was announced today. Mm-hmm. It's not been helpful for them, for any of them at the moment, but you know, that's what you're dealing with when it comes to these elements that so heavily rely on computers. This is not going to be a problem that goes away, if you see what I mean. No, no, exactly. But other places, the, you know, places, the, the actual manufacturing ability of some of these plants is also down at the moment as well. So they mm-hmm. have lower capacity and hence they, they can't necessarily make chips that go into car navigation entertainment systems and chips that go into home entertainment systems uh, at the same time so they don't have to yep. pick and choose between them um that plus i think anyone who's ordered anything from anywhere lately will discover that postal and logistics services are a little bit stuffed right in the minute yes generally everything stretched <laughs> yes including in fact, us. that's a far more polite way of putting it than i would have but yes yeah, stretched works stretched works Yes. It doesn't involve of, stupid sirens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, tell me why the colour of cars last year reflected the mood of the nation. <laughs> well, as we know, only about three cars were, were sold in 2020. Uh, <laughs> and somehow one in four of those were grey. <laughs> grey was actually 8% more popular in 2020 than 2019. Second most popular color was black, with one fifth of buyers choosing. Was that because people colors. didn't want to be able to spot the thing they couldn't drive that was sat outside their house? Quite, quite possibly. Yes, yes. That that's the best we can come up with. White was third, by the way. So it goes uh, gray, black, and then white. Six in ten new cars sold in twenty twenty were either white, black, or gray. I mean, Woo-hoo. <laughs> it's just dull, dreek, misery. I think so many cars look very good in grey. For example, doing a click and collect, I saw the new Honda E. Oh, really? I've not seen one in the flesh yet, to be honest. Outside the local garage, it's in a dark metallic grey. Mm. And I think that looks much better than the white. I think it's really nice colour. Mm-hmm. But yes, some different colours would be handy. I think so many cars at the moment really suit the green. They suit the reds that some of the manufacturers are coming out with, those deeper well, reds. popularity of reds dropped 7.9%. Well, people need to have a word with themselves. Because I, I agree. Blue was up. I am surprised at how high orange and yellow are, though. Well, there's no other choices. That's the thing. I, orange was 7th, uh, yellow is ninth, green is 8th. Silver is sixth these days, but then where's the line between silver and grey, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. And bronze came in at 10th with 0.1%. But the challenge is that I think the manufacturers go, well, nobody buys the colours. 
and then so people then don't buy the colors because there aren't the colors they're just they're just not there to choose from yeah and a lot of it's a lot of it's driven obviously by the the fleet and business purchasing going oh we can't have any more depreciation even though because they're trying to fit into a a a price per month i I blame quentin wilson for all this Keith, by the way, from Top Gear in the nineties and early two thousands, going on about oh yeah, you've got to buy this car because it's better and it hit this color because it hits against depreciation, so you should always have a silver car because it's easy to sell and it's worth more money. It's just dreary. I mean, to be honest, the the cost of metallic paint on top of you know benefit inclined white doesn't necessarily help these days. I'll give them that, and I can understand why white is in there at third. But it's just this dreariness of, oh, will it be worth £100 more after three years? You don't care. You've all got it on PCP. The scratches you've put on it negate that £100 anyway. Exactly. And and you've all got it on PCP. So you know what? You can choose any ruddy colour you want. It's not going to change how much you pay per month. Yeah. Once you've got into the person. So please, people, get over yourselves. Stop buying such dull, ruddy colours and go out and buy something nice and interesting. Yes. Says the man who's not buying a new car. Famously not buying a new car. (laughs) I'm not. And one of the reasons is, to be honest, the colour choices aren't that great. And Shmi's got one. That doesn't help. So let's move on. Well, I think that's about the end of the first part anyway. Oh, yes. Well... (laughs) Yes. Well, yes, let's move on to something that I'm meant to be talking about next. Well done, Alan. That was really, really neat. It is the end of the first part, and that means it's Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel that the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and Teespring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. Although I don't know if they can actually get into the country at the moment. If you don't have any spare cash, we completely understand. Uh, Then you can help us by subscribing for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released. And by liking and rating the show, in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and some of you do, so thank you so very much, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes, and thank you to everyone who does. Yes. We know you do. <laughs> right, WRC, and it is the start of the 2021 season as we record Yay! this, happening this week. stay awake, things may Yay! change. But there have been some more restrictions added by the local government in the region. It's just more of what we were expecting anyway. So it is that there are no fans at all allowed there. Uh, They are going to risk getting a fine of €135. There's also anyone thinking, oh, I'll be clever. I've got some private land nearby and I'll open it up to a gathering of friends and family who want to watch it. No, no you're going to be in deep trouble as well because <laughs> so, you'll be done for endangering the lives of others, uh, funnily enough. And then the, the ultimate sanction, if that's happening, is that the organisers will cancel the stage, which obviously nobody wants because there is only 160 miles anyway this year due to time restrictions and everything. Uh, also, there will 
be a strict control of who's able to fly over the top, so only necessary helicopter flights. So that's the security police, the race director, and the TV helicopters allowed to fly over there. There's things like there's only 150 marshals on a stage, and, and local residents are allowed, obviously permit-holding residents, that is, are going to be able to watch it. So I think they've done everything they can. Oh, the other thing as well is they've cancelled the shakedown stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's to make sure that people don't go, oh, well, there's a bit of noise, let's go and have a look. Won't, that won't be a problem. So they've, they've even cancelled that. Both sides have done this in conjunction. They've been chatting with each other because the desperation is to just get the event going and happening, yeah. which is what everybody really wants to happen. Certainly the quotation here from the, the leader of the of the Hotel region, Martine Clavel, is full of praise. She's saying it's it's excellent work that's been carried out with the Automobile Club de Monaco and the professionalism of this organiser allows the first round of the WRC World Championship to take place in conditions of sanitary safety, which are essential for everyone's health. Yep. Uh, there is a link in the show notes as well, underneath that link, that will uh, outline the running order and the itinerary as well. So it starts at eight minutes past two on Thursday and the last the last stage goes live at 18 minutes past 12 on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's on the WRC website and also at acm.mc. So the website of the Auto- Automobile Club of Monaco mm-hmm. is, is there as well. So So that might be a useful link that people wouldn't necessarily think of as a way of being able to follow along. Yep. So I can't wait for it to go. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really interesting. Because um, Nouveau has swapped his co-driver over right. the weekend, so no hiding now. There is there are no excuses. He he did he didn't just drop him and leave him in the middle of the stage like one of the Dakar drivers did, did he? Well, listening to the quotes from the the co-driver, mm. metaphorically, oh, not okay. far off that. <laughs> oh, okay, so it's it not necessarily a mutual a mutual thing. Surprised, I think, is mm-hmm. is the general emotion. <laughs> Particularly, like, the week before. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. But I, I really think Nouveau's got to do it this year. Mm-hmm. He's had so much backing from Hyundai for so many years. He's got to pull it out, I believe. Well, the muttering is that the Hyundai team generally just really have to pull it out isn't it? It's... I still don't know whether they're going to be there next year. Still haven't decided. Well, that's it. Well, no, it depends how well they do. And it's yeah. all about the, that hybrid powertrain. That's, that's a real... But that decision has to be made before they get to... to I mean, the end I, of I think the winning champion. the manufacturer's title last year helped. I would imagine it did, yeah. I think it just depends what WRC as an organisation decide about hybrid powertrains, electric turbos, all that kind of stuff, because it, it's yeah. been very quiet on that uh, the last few months. So let's just keep an ear out. I think there's a lot of internal... Lots of private phone calls going on and people going, please don't leave. Well, please don't make us spend this much money at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's trying to trying to balance that. It can't be easy for, no. for anyone. But talking of not easy, our lunchtime read. Yes, talking of lunchtime read, this week it's actually a very short 
piece, but we don't really want to talk about it, so we're going to let you read about it instead. Uh, and it's an article by Jim Holder on the Autocar website, and indeed, I'm sure, in the, the Dead Tree version of Autocar, which is about why the rule of origin is a Brexit time bomb, particularly when it comes to EV batteries sourced from abroad and the potential of a 10% tariff on them and some other bits and pieces. So do have a read of that. There'll be a link in the show notes so you can find it. Right. The list of the week, and this is also from Autocar, is the top 10 used cars everyone should own once. And friend of the show, James Ruppert, has compiled this. There are 21 slides to click through. Yeah, but it's two per car. Alan, do you... Yes, do you have a particular one that stands out to you? I mean, you've owned a few of these. (laughs) I have actually owned a few of them. I'm going to... Oh, that's a nice one. Yeah, I've... There's... Oops, I've just misclicked and it's an autocar thing, so it might do yes. something or not do something. I don't know. Well, what are the ones I have? I'll just go through the ones I haven't owned. Actually, my, between my immediate family, we've done rather well, or I just can't stand them and definitely don't want to own one. But I think the Honda Insight is the one that does it for me on there. I thought you were going to pick that, you know. Mainly I thought that because the picture is in a colour that you would definitely go for. Yeah, well, it's not grey for a start. No, exactly, exactly. But no, I did think you would go for that. There are many cars there that I would like to own. Unfortunately, I cannot because I do not have the money (laughs) or the space and I enjoy being married. But I think for me, you know how people used to say you must own an Alpha to be a petrol head and things like that? Mm. I feel that you need to own a BMW 5 Series E39 to be similarly classed and i would like to own one of those obviously an m5 would be perfect in every way as as my as my local petrol petrol station <laughs> petrol would would say would agree with but yeah i really like the look of those uh, and as james makes the point in here it's the last truly fixable in a you can take it down your local garage will fit be able to fix it type way mm-hmm. yeah my dad had a he had a 530d estate it's a very nice car. Oh, I bet that shifted. It did. It did, yes. I, as I discovered. <laughs> I chauffeured one night and then ended up with it for my own thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yes, discovered lots by that. Right, well, do click through on the uh, on the link in the show notes, everyone. And actually, give us a you can give us a tweet and let us know which one you'd have out of this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it isn't, on this list and say what you would have. Yeah, what's James missed? Because I think he covers all the bases in this. It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, mm. I, between myself and my parents, I move on most of that. Mm. I think probably a majority of the list now I think about it, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Right, Alan, take us to the and finally, please. This week's and finally is... Hopefully a useful one, actually. Now, we've all, over the past 10 months, got a little bit bored of articles about how to help you work from home and how to help you concentrate, do all the things that you're somehow magically meant to be doing from home as well as trying to have a life. It's like I was in a meeting earlier on, speaking, and I eventually had to go, look, I'm really sorry, can I just go downstairs and, and answer the door to my to, to my postman, please? Because that's the second time he's knocked really, really hard. And I came back and everyone was saying, gosh, the, th- the stuff that we have to put up with now that we just don't normally have to, it's just 
not normally part of our lives because you're either doing a meeting or you're at home and you can answer the door to the postman and these days we're all kind of stuck with the sort of <laughs> dashing out of calls to to answer that kind of challenge it has made that dreadful idea of allowing anyone access to the boot of your car disappear though i've noticed that <laughs> i don't know sometimes it becomes more <laughs> yeah <laughs> there is a little bit of that yeah yeah actually Although, if you could do that and they wouldn't interrupt meetings, that might work. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, I haven't actually told you what, what, what the Anne finally is yet. The, but So this week's Anne finally is working from home, how to do it the Toyota way. And anyone who's used to process type stuff, like what I am, will know all about uh, Lean and Six Sigma and 5S. But what this does is it takes in nine little nine bullet points nine paragraphs it sort of runs through just some tips and some ways of putting those techniques that toyota use uh, so successfully to build cars uh, very efficiently and and well and i'm not being paid to say that by the way and how to apply it to working from home and it it involves useful stuff this has actually been written by a human being who has gone through this. So whilst that introduction, you might be going, oh, process, working from home, I don't really want to... No, this is actually full of really useful nuggets and information and ways of approaching it. Mm-hmm. So stuff like, if you're stuck, don't spend your whole day at your desk if you can avoid it. If you're stuck with a problem, get up and walk around. Try and have a change of scenery. If you normally work in your office, maybe swap with someone else in the house and maybe work from the kitchen table for a little while practice judoka which is to pause to fix a problem the other stuff about messy desks and five s's if you've ever been five s in an <laughs> office you know just how much fun that can be but yeah it's about having only the stuff you need and not the stuff you don't need to hand and keeping stuff that way uh, challenge is one of the ones i like the self-discipline trying to stamp down on the just one more biscuit uh, and Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that there's a bit of structure in your day, trying to make sure that you leave space to do stuff in your diary and, and these kind of things. Number seven was, I think, particularly if you are, particularly if you are somebody who has only come to working from home because of lockdowns, but even the rest of us who are more experienced at working from home, the status paranoia paragraph is is a must read yeah it it really is and and uh, you know and it's about saying well the mutual trust and respect should be part of this don't feel guilty about occasionally closing the computer the world won't end if an email goes unanswered for an hour which i think is so important and I, i know it's something that irrespective of this i know it's something that we've been being reminded on a regular basis to just say look it doesn't actually matter but this is a really good article. I've talked through a fair chunk of it, but there's lots more on there. It's worth a read. It's worth a read. It's five minutes Definitely of reading. Is. And it just yeah. gives some nice ideas, and it's a bit different from all the usual slog through what you should be doing and that you shouldn't be feeling guilty about, I don't know, not putting in 47 hours a day and and going <laughs> to the gym and all the other stuff. Which people Why haven't you learned this, these three foreign languages I've learned three well. foreign languages and all that other rubbish rubbish yeah. <laughs> that people spout just you know 
I sat, I don't know about you, Andrew. I sat the other night and tried to make a little list of the stuff I had achieved in the last 10 months. Partly as a way of making myself feel better. And it was actually really quite a long list of just stuff. It's something which might make you feel better. Well, I think you did. You you personally managed to smash out an awful lot of podcast episodes, like I said in the uh, review of the year. I mean, I had to double-check how many podcasts we did actually produce last year. (laughs) Because your maths wasn't that great. Yeah. Well, no. yeah, I was thinking, no, I've, I've got that wrong. It's like I've put an extra naught in there or somewhere. <laughs> but no, we really did. And and a large part of that was you, because you did so many special editions. Well, and it was it. So, yeah. Well, I'm tr- trying to do some more of those as well, trying to get them scheduled. It's just start of the year, and to be honest, work's a bit busy, and, and just trying to meet it. These things need metered out a little bit, because it involves multiple people's calendars and... It's easy for us to meet every week. It's in our calendar. It's what we do on a Tuesday night. Getting other people involved um, takes a bit more logistics and timings and all that kind of thing. And then often it can't be in the evening, so you've got to kind of beat work out the way for a couple of hours and try and block out some time in your calendar for yourself. Again, if I have to delay a meeting for an hour or two, nobody's going to cry, really. No. It's not like you're a heart surgeon. No. No, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, anyway, parish notes. What have we got? Uh, there was a special edition out the other week uh, where I talked to Paul Cowland uh, about Salvage Hunter's TV's classic Paul cars. Sorry, yes, TV's Paul Cowland. How did I miss that? About Salvage Hunter's His lawyers will cars. be sending letters, angry letters to us if you don't introduce really? him as his will full they, name. Will they really? Mm-hmm. You know that. You know that. I'll get an angry text message or something. Uh, <laughs> I can't even imagine what an angry text message from Paul would be like. It'd be just wouldn't be right so that there's the review of the year that andrew mentioned just uh, a minute or two ago uh there's mercedes 230 uh 230 lots of lots of stuff recently in the last month or so yep also zoom zoomers if you're really stuck uh zoom zoomers is out on <laughs> youtube it's not you're really stuck i know i'm <laughs> hopeless, hopeless. <laughs> it's good it's yeah last week's was was kind of cool Loads of really, really nerdy questions from Chris Hughes. So that was that was good. Um, yeah, lots of bits and pieces happening there. No special edition lined up for this week. Uh, it'll be a couple of weeks. I'm sorry, folks. Just just sheer, sheer volume of stuff. What needs done? Yep. But until then, don't forget, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Don't forget about our patron any other way of supporting us, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, if people want to be mildly abusive in your general direction, what's the best way to do that? Probably the best way to do that is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. Now, Alan, if people want to uh, get in touch with you and say, where are all our special editions, you lazy so-and-so, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way for them to do that is to stick it where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> but if you're not going to ask me that, then Twitter works where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. As I said, we'll be back next week. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.